Coming live from Birmingham, Alabama, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Andrea Wilson-Woods, author, speaker, entrepreneur, and patient advocate. And she's also a podcast host like me, but a better one at that. She talks about something, you know, something very important as cancer. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Oh, thank you so much for having me, AJ. It's nice to have you on this show, Andrea. And we'll be talking about how to channel, uh, you know, change the world by channeling your grief. So we will, uh, you know, a lot of people, Andrea, pass through a lot of problems in life mm -hmm. and a lot of things that hurt them losing their loved ones and that can be you know a lot at that time you just get overwhelmed but only a few can get over that and build something in the memory of people that they love so much and this will not just be about you know about grief but it is uh, beyond that and to change the world by those acts of you know you, you won't say it's greatness, but those acts make them great when people understand what those things are all about. But first, you know, to understand from you, Andrea, you have seen a lot. And that is why uh, I would like to ask from you is that why, what should one do when they are overwhelmed by grief in their life? Anything that happens Either it's, you know, losing a loved one is very, very painful. It's It hurts a lot and for a long, long time to come. And people are overwhelmed. And there are other sort of griefs in life. So what do you do when it happens? How do you uh, come out of a situation like that? How do you see things clearly in a situation which can overwhelm you? Several things at the same time. But I just want you to take you know, to to take your time and answer them at your own pace. Sure. I think it, it's good to start sort of where that grief came from. I have lost six family members to five different cancers. And the most significant was my sister, Adrian. So when I was 22 years old, I was living in Los Angeles. I had finished university and I got custody of Adrian, who was only eight years old at the time. And I became her legal guardian. I raised her all through my 20s, so I was her parent, and and that was not easy. I don't want to downplay that. It was very challenging at times, and then when she was 15, a month after her 15th birthday, she was diagnosed with stage four liver cancer, and it came out of nowhere. It was just devastating, and she only lived 147 days with that diagnosis, and so when she died, I lost my sister, but I also lost my child and I lost my friend. You know, we were getting to that point where she was getting old enough where I said to her, one day, I hope to be your friend. And it, it wrecked me. It absolutely wrecked me. And so I became beyond depressed. I became suicidal. And I finally realized a year after she died, I had a choice that I could either end my life and stop the pain 
or I could take all this pain that I had and channel it into something positive. And one of the frustrations when Adrian was diagnosed was she had a very common type of cancer and the most common type of liver cancer there is. It usually doesn't happen in young people. It usually happens in older people. But there wasn't any information out there about it at the time. This was over 20 years ago. And there was no support for patients and caregivers. And so I really felt like if there was one thing I could do to pull me out of the grief, but also to sustain her legacy and in her memory, I decided to start a nonprofit dedicated to the very specific type of cancer that killed her. And so the name of the nonprofit is Blue Fairy, the Adrian Wilson Liver Cancer Association. And Blue Fairy's mission is to prevent, treat, and cure primary liver cancer, specifically hepatocellular carcinoma, through research, education, and advocacy. And, and that really gave me a way to just, you know, get out of that the sadness. It's still there. It, it doesn't really 100% go away, but it gives me such joy to be able to help other patients and caregivers and, and also to see now, because of new therapies, patients are actually living longer, even in advanced stages. So, you know, every, every time I thought about quitting, and this is not a joke, every time I thought about quitting and just giving up, because I didn't know how to start a charity. I didn't know what I was doing. I was 30 years old when I started the charity. I would get a phone call from a patient, or I would get a phone call from their spouse asking for help. So I really feel like Adrian is still out there guiding me through this whole process. Of course, of course. Blue Fairy is very much around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you uh, one thing, Andrea, is that you said uh, about suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, when they pass through such difficult times, they can have these you know these thoughts of course and there is that thin line uh which you know which you cross mm -hmm. then it's it's the end of the world but it's not an end of the pain you'll still leave pain behind and right. a lot of people have to uh understand this but when they go through that pain perhaps a lot of people find this as the solution to that what is i just wanted to understand from your you know through your journey your mind at that point in time for so many people out there without you know for whatever reasons they are thinking of those uh, these moments and and having these thoughts is that uh, what was it that made you come back from that sort of a situation was it some therapist? Was it something that, uh, you know, some wisdom that came into your mind? Was it the thought of your sister that, you know, that you can help her memory, you can help her be alive in a different form uh, by by channelizing your grief into actually doing something substantial? What would you like to tell those people who are at this point in time, facing the difficult times in life and and they don't know that there is a there is a future after that oh goodness i have so much to say that i had to write it down 
Um, it's actually it started with my my partner at the time who had been very involved in my sister's life. He was the only father figure she ever had. And he said to me, he realized where I was. Like, I don't know how, because I thought I hit it very well, but he realized I was right on that point, that precipice of killing myself. And I knew exactly how I was going to do it. I had the whole thing planned. And he said, you know, if you do this, Adrian, my sister, will hate you forever. She will hate you for wasting your life when hers was cut short so early. And, and that was revolutionary at the time. Like that was like, oh my gosh, he's right. She would hate me. And if she is out there somewhere in a higher plane and I kill myself and I go meet her, she's mad at me. <laughs> so that helped a lot. You know, someone just kind of sh almost shaking me verbally. Um, and then also I did go and get on medication. I got on an antidepressant. I, I do think at the time that helped a little bit. Um, I didn't find counseling yet. I did later, but at that time I really didn't find counseling. And the other thing is I just started telling myself, and I know this is a Bible verse, but I can't remember which one, but this too shall pass. So when I was having a bad minute or a bad hour or a bad day, I would just tell myself this too shall pass and that I had to be patient and that I wasn't always going to feel this way. And, and that's true. You know, but no one can really say how long you're going to feel that way. So how, how did you uh, decide that how long you have to feel that way or to move towards, you know, creating Blue Fairy? How did it work for you? Because you did not know anything about uh, this particular nonprofit and all. So one was that, you know, you decide to just, you know, take your life forward. One is to build something in the memory of somebody who was lost. And you know, and that is, that gives a bigger reason to live, not only just live, but also change the life of so many peoples and in that process, change the world. Yeah. My partner saying that to me was the first step, kind of shaking me out of it. And then that's when I realized that I had to do something. I'm very action oriented and I had to do something. So my first thought was really that I would volunteer. So I contacted the largest liver disease organization in the U.S. at the time, and they didn't have anything to do with liver cancer, nothing on their website. And, and I knew from the trajectory of my sister's disease and what caused it, I knew that liver cancer was only going to continue to go up around the world. And it has. In fact, it's one of the fewest cancers on the rise in the U.S. year after year after year. So I contacted this nonprofit. Um, I offered to create a program for them about liver cancer. My background is writing and marketing. And so I felt very confident that I could do that. And also my background's teaching. And so I love that kind of thing. And they turned me down flat. And I talked to the person at the top of the organization and they wanted nothing to do with liver cancer. So I kind of joke now that if they had said yes to me, Blue Fairy would not exist. I would have created a program for them and volunteered for them. But they said no. And when they said no, I was a little stunned. And then I did some more research. And that's when I realized there wasn't at that time a single organization dedicated to primary liver cancer in the U.S. And it was one of those moments where I think Lily Tomlin said it. I think somebody needs to do something about that. And then I realized that somebody is me. That's exactly what happened. 
no one was doing anything about it. And I realized that I had to do something about it. Wonderful, wonderful. And they are very inspiring. You know, sometimes when you hit, uh, when you hit a roadblock, uh, you sometimes just stop your journey, but you did not. Many a times it happens and that's where it becomes very inspiring. So a lot of people who are, you know, in need of help, what sort of people can contact you in the U.S. especially? And uh, what is it that they can come uh, come forward? Because you are there to help. It's a nonprofit. You help right. people. So what is it that they can seek out that they know that they are not alone? Yes. So if you go to bluefairy.org, and that's blue, B-L-U-E-F-A-E-R-Y. So it's fairy with an E, dot org. Uh, we have all kinds of things. We have free patient education materials that we ship worldwide for free, as long as we have a good address, but they're also downloadable on our uh, website. We have an incredible community that's specifically for liver cancer patients and their families, and the community is very active and very supportive of each other. It's, it's amazing to me how many people stay in the community long after their loved one has passed. Um, we also have an award for individuals who are advocates for themselves and others during their cancer journey. And we also have a research award for those uh, physicians and scientists doing innovative research in hepatocellular carcinoma. So there, there's a lot on our website and just also a lot of information about the disease to help you understand it better. Right, right. I'm just thinking while you were speaking, I was just thinking, how did you build this up one is to build something and one is to build something large something very effective how did this thing work i mean how did it come to this stage because i will come to this cancer university after this because i can see those those words in the the background also in the the banner i will come to this but that even blue fairy is big how did you build this up how did you build up this nonprofit? Who helped you? How did people join in your journey? Because you started it all alone and those people uh, whom you thought would help did not. Well, I started the organization Blue Fairy with a lot of friends. And I kind of joke now that you should not start a business with your friends. <laughs> it's okay if your business uh, colleagues become friends. But um, but it was really challenging. I think my friends just wanted to support me through my grief, and they didn't understand the big vision that I had for Blue Fairy. So I lost a lot of friends when I started Blue Fairy, and I hate to say that, but I did. But there were also some people that came in that were not close friends of mine, and now because we've been doing this for so long, we are you know very close to each other. So. I just asked for help. I asked everybody for help. I did. And the way we got sort of our initial seed fund money was um, I ran a marathon and raised money through running a marathon. And I'm not a runner. I want to make that really clear. <laughs> I'm very terrible, a terrible runner, good walker, terrible runner. And, you know, we started from really nothing. It, you know, we didn't have some million dollar grant or anything like that. We We started with $500. That was it. Right, right. And one thing I just wanted to understand, we, we humans, normally we are very confused about 
going to the right causes, helping the right causes, helping the right people. How did you, when did you understand who will help, who will not help in the cause? This is a long journey. Right. Many of the people you know will not come forward. Right. And many of the people you don't know will come forward and then go away. They do not need anything. How does this part of human mind work? How does this part of humanity work? What is your understanding when you, you know, went through this journey? So that, you know, people who want to do something and are looking for some help without obviously help you can't do anything. You right. need donation and donors yeah, and right. all that stuff. So they get some sort of an insight into this different sort of a human mind. Well, I don't know who said this. Many people have been attributed to this, some version of this quote, but courage is not lack of fear. Courage is having fear and moving forward anyway. And I just kept moving forward. The other thing is you have to just embrace failure. Understand that you are going to make mistakes. You are going to fail. In our second year, we put together a special event. We put a lot of the money that we had into creating this event thinking that it was going to bring in more donors, more people, more volunteers. And we put together this event that no one wanted to attend. <laughs> it was disastrous. And we ended up losing, you know, half of our revenue. It was, it was awful and it was so crushing, but I learned from it. And, and that's all you can do is just you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail over and over and over. Someone coined the term fail forward. Well, that's what you got to do. You just got to keep moving forward and learn. You know, um, there's a great meme that I love that says, I don't lose. I either win or I learn. And if you can embrace that, I feel like you can do anything. Right. Right. That's, that's a nice way of putting it. And that that's, speaks about, you know, that uh, what, what journey you have undertaken. I can understand. And each journey has its own, you know, learnings. And that's why each journey must be talked about so that the learnings are shared with many people. And like that, as you are sharing the goodness in you, you are also moving towards something big. That is your, your uh, cancer university. That's so right. it's, it's, Tell us about this, what this is all about. This is your new project. And I under, if I understand, it's, it's a for-profit uh, uh, thing. Why why, why for-profit now and what exactly? Though it's not a wrong term uh, uh, at all. But how, do you, how are you planning this? What this is all about? What do you intend to achieve through this? What do you intend to, you know, uh, what are your products or services what, that you intend to offer to people? Well, Cancer University, or as we like to call it, CancerU, is an online platform. It's for both patients and caregivers, all types of cancer, to really educate, empower, and engage them to become advocates for their health care. You have to take charge. You absolutely have to. And the goal is to improve outcomes, lower stress, and reduce cost. And CancerU really came out of an issue I was seeing with my own nonprofit and other advocacy groups in that even when you have the best patient education materials and they're readily available for people, that's kind of the what, but not the how. And 
So I have been coaching patients and caregivers pro bono for over a decade. And it got to a point where it was just unsustainable and I couldn't continue to help people at that level constantly. But I also didn't feel good charging people for coaching. And there's plenty of that out there. And, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's that's fine. But I felt like there was a way to create a product or service and have it be scalable. And I kept going back to the idea that when my sister was diagnosed, you know, it was so fast. It was a CAT scan. It was a biopsy and she was in chemo and my head was just swimming with what I call the alphabet soup of cancer. You know, all these acronyms they throw around and I, I, I could barely keep up. And for me, it really felt like going back to school. And that's when this crazy idea of cancer university came into my head. And um, I did not do it alone. I do have a co-founder and I highly recommend that you don't go it alone. Um, and this time I made sure I had a co-founder who has a very different skill set than I do. It's very important to have complementary skill sets. Um, and that's that's what Cancer U is. And so we're bootstrapped. It has not been easy. I want to be very clear about that. It's been a very, very tough road. Um, but it is free for patients and caregivers. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now you see both the things, even for, you know, uh, the blue fairy. Where do you want to take that? And where do you want to take this uh, particular cancer and you can uh, cancer youth thrivers? Uh, uh, if I'm cancer university, yeah, that you call it like that. Right, right. Cancer youth thrivers is the podcast. Uh, yeah, I'll cancer come to university. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put those things together. So yeah, cancer. So you cancer did your homework. You did it. <laughs> For, right. uh, that's, that's, that's the only training right thing I can I do at the moment because <laughs> and especially, especially with uh, you know with a subject like yours and uh, if I cannot you are doing so much if I cannot do my research that would not be good you know oh, well thank you uh, for Blue Fairy I want to get us to the point where we consistently have over a million revenue year after year. And, um, and, and actually, I want to get to the point where I pull back from sort of the day-to-day -day operations. I love being the face of the company. I love talking to people. I love going to conferences and interacting with physicians and doctors and other patients and caregivers. But I do want to continue to grow Blue Fairy so that I don't have to be in the day-to-day the -day operations as much as I love it. And for Cancer U, I want Cancer U to become the platform, the place you go when you get that cancer diagnosis, because we don't just have courses, we have a coaching component and we also have a community component. And I feel like all three of those are really, really critical to your cancer journey. Right, right. Now, uh, one thing I wanted to understand, you know, when you are uh, this patient advocate mm -hmm. and you talk about patients and all that stuff, is people talk about, you know, living with dignity yeah what what you know what about dying with dignity yeah. how do you see both the things and what would you like to you know you talk about that and why do you talk about that what is dying with dignity why why is it like that and and i i can understand it it's a very important part but i want to understand from you yeah so I'm really passionate about this topic. I'm glad you asked because we all have two things in common. 
all of us, no matter who you are, where you live or what you do, we are all born and we are all going to die. So those are just two hard facts. And why can't we talk about it? So I encourage people to have the death conversation before you ever get sick. Unfortunately, most of us, especially Americans, we wait until we're sick. And even then, sometimes we don't have the conversation. For me with my sister, if I had followed doctor's orders, she would have died in the hospital on a respirator. But I didn't do that. I pushed back. I fought hard. And I actually got her home. And to everyone's surprise, but not to mine, she woke up. And so I was able to get her home and on hospice, and she died in her bed, in her room, surrounded by people who loved her, not hooked up to any machines other than oxygen. And she had a good death. I feel like if that's the one thing I gave my sister, I gave her that. You know, and I want to share a story of a, a patient and a caregiver. It was a wife and a husband. He has advanced liver cancer. And after going through a year of different therapies, he decided to stop treatment. And they primarily made this decision because one, he just wasn't getting good results, but the side effects were so debilitating that they couldn't live their lives. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't do anything. And because of the support of our community, they made this decision that, you know what, he's just going to live his best life and do pain management. The last year of his life, was exactly that. They lived their lives. They did things. They went to places they had never been before. And the whole time he was managing his pain and he was on hospice, um, but he was not accepting any treatments. And what's appalling to me is that their oncologist got mad at him for not continuing treatment. And that's ridiculous because every doctor I know, every doctor does not want to suffer. Almost every doctor would say, I'd rather just stop, you know, and live my life. And that's what this couple did. And he died uh, just before Halloween, so quite recently. And it was so good to hear from her that he was home, you know, he was in her arms. He had a peaceful death. And that last year was so full of love and laughter for them. They even renewed their wedding vows. and. and I get so excited when I hear stories like that because we don't know when we're going to die. But if you do get a diagnosis with a very serious disease that's life-threatening, you know, it really makes you think about it and talk about it more. I'm just listening to you. And, you know, I'm wondering, I'm just thinking of the girl at 22 years of age who got the guardianship of her six-year-old sister, if I, if I understand it correctly. And, and you were in marketing. Am I right? I was not yet. I was later, but yeah, I was. Uh, I had graduated from school uh, with a humanities degree, which is not. Yeah, very and later, later on, yeah, you went to do marketing. Yeah, and right. And then uh, now you have moved towards the Blue Fairy, and you know, and the Cancer University. I mean, the life life has taken such a uh, different turn than uh, than perhaps you would have ever. Oh wow. yeah. And, and and in today's world when people plan so many things almost everything is planned even social media you scheduled your post for <laughs> such a long time you know I, and in that backdrop i'm just trying to understand and and you would be the one who has to tell me how do you look at your life 
uh, from that point to this point uh, and, and ever think exactly how you went through all this particular thing? How did it all go for you? You know, that's such a good question. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I am the least spontaneous person I know. I am a crazy, crazy planner. Like it's bad. It's it's obsessive planning. If someone tells me we're going to do something four years from now, I go ahead and put it on my calendar because I just assume that's going to happen. And, and so I am a planner, um, but I have had these forks in the road or choices that happened. The first one being, as you said, I was 22. You were close. My sister was eight. And my mother asked me to take custody um, of my sister. And I said, yes. Um, and then after she died a year later, I wanted to get out of my grief, realized nobody was doing anything about liver cancer. And so I said, yes. And I think if people get anything from this, it's that say yes. You know, just say yes. Just the fear is going to be there. Go forward. Say yes. You don't have to have it figured out. I, I didn't have any of it figured out at all. And but you will figure it out if it's important enough to you. You're going to figure it out. So when you come to those sort of moments in life or forks in the road or whatever, you know, and that one thing that's so scary and overwhelming say yes, because you don't know where it's going to take you. Right, right. Now, let's talk about your podcast and, and the book, you know, Better Off Bald, yeah. A Life in 147 Days, your medical uh, memoir. Yeah. Tell us about that. Where do people get it? How do they get to hear your podcast? And how do they connect with you? Yeah, so if you go to cancer.university, you'll find the podcast there. And we're always looking for cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, or providers to share their cancer stories. If you go to andreawilsonwoods.com or betteroffball.com, you can find out more about the book. Um, it really is the story of raising and losing my sister to liver cancer, and it's written like a journal. And my sister was um, an incredible writer as well. So I bring her words into the story too. So you see her point of view and my point of view. And then of course, if you're looking for resources for liver cancer, just go to blueferryfary.org. Right, right, Andrea. Now, let me understand one thing. You know, US is known as a place where there's too much of individualism. People have that thought process you go independent at 18 you move out of the house and that's the impression i don't know if that's true anymore that. but i did <laughs> no. we i couldn't wait to get out of the house <laughs> we get we get that impression as you know far away from the u.s through movies that's the type of impression though uh, we get to understand people only when you talk to them like any other person okay so in that sort of a backdrop when you were passing through all these things, building things, coming out of your grief. A lot many times people think about what's happening to my life. Where is, where is my individual self? What's, where is my life? How did you find time to build yourself or build your own life, personal life, and look at all these things while all these things you were passing through 
as well as building for others, thinking about others and wanting to keep your sister's memory alive. And now again, you have got this cancer university. So how does it work? A lot of people can get overwhelmed. A lot of people can get this sort of a thinking, you know, especially a lot of people who have patients at their home. People yeah. in families, they can think that their life is getting, you know, too much overlapped with taking care of the patient. How does it work? What would you like to tell them? How did you plan your life around this? Well, I'd like to share the second best piece of advice I've ever gotten. And when I got it in college, I didn't really understand it. And I do now. And it's don't confuse. It was from a teacher. Don't confuse who you are with what you do. You know, I'm the president of Blue Fairy. That's that's what I do. As far as who I am, I'm a patient advocate across the board. That's part of who I am. But I'm also a writer and I'm also a sister and a daughter, you know, and a partner. You know, I'm a lot of other things. Blue Fairy is one of the things that I actually do, just like Cancer You. And so I hope people take that advice because I didn't. And my next book is really about those 10 years after my sister died, going through my grief, struggling to figure out who I was. Because when I was raising her, she was my sole purpose. I was so focused on her. So even though I did all these other things while I was raising her, she was my purpose. She was my North Star. And when I lost her, I definitely lost a lot of myself. And it took me a long time to claw and find my way back. So I just, again, don't confuse who you are with what you do. They're actually two separate things. Because if you cling to what you do, it, it's not always going to be there. Things are going to change. And so you really do have to look inside and figure out who you are. Figure out who you are. Yeah. Have you figured out for yourself now where do you want to go from here? Yeah. This, this, yes. So that's a very important thing I wanted to understand. Where do you want to go from here? From the After all this, I wouldn't say achievements, but this is the way you have changed the world. For several people, you see, a lot of people will not understand a lot of this stuff. But it's about whose life you have touched, who have got help from you, who, with whom you have stood for, uh, with, with or for, at their difficult moments in time. You certainly have changed their world. And this is how you change the world. You just suddenly don't change anything else. You change the way people feel and you change the way. So how do you want to see, uh, where do you want to go from here and why? Well, in my heart, I'm a storyteller. No matter what I'm doing, I, I love telling stories. I always have. So there are many more books in my future at least two or three. So I want to continue writing books. Um, I would love to sell millions of copies of my next book, although it might be a little controversial. We'll see. And I feel like I do have a very powerful story to share. And I've done some speaking, but it's been in pretty niched spaces and conferences, primarily in medical conferences. And I really want to broaden that. So I'm working really hard to... Uh, put together my speaking reel and speak on bigger stages because I know that my story and especially my sister's story really inspires other people. 
Right. And when do you feel the happiest? I know it can be difficult at times, but I just want you to understand a bit of your mind. When do you feel the most happy? What are those moments when you are doing your work? And all that? If I can get to the beach, I'm really happy. So I don't believe in living any in any landlocked state. <laughs> which is kind of silly, but I want to have access to the beach. Right now I'm five hours away. That's a little too far, but I'm always happy at the beach. So that's one of my goals is to live at the beach one day, um, somewhere on the Gulf of Mexico, whether it's Alabama or the Florida panhandle on those white sandy beaches. And this sounds so silly, but I think animal people will understand. I'm really happy when I take my dog on a walk, you know, just, Simple things really make me pretty happy. Right, right. On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us on this show. Thank you for having me.